Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Finding My Voice. Uh, I am going to go back to my roots a little bit um, because I've said this before. This this podcast is technically mostly about me finding my voice. And yes, that means a lot of things. Finding my voice in role-playing games and through role-playing games because, well, not role-playing games are 90% of my personality. It's also about finding my voice as a person having come out as trans at a late age. I mean, I always knew I was trans, um, but coming out and showing myself who I am in the world, you know, discovering how to interact with the world as me. Uh, but there's also the literal sense of finding a way to talk that feels like me, which is difficult uh, when you've gone through the wrong puberty, from my end at least, because every time I hear myself, I want to gargle bleach. <laughs> Not Well, it actually can be like that. But I have noticed recently, um, I've mentioned this on earlier episodes too, that uh, I've, I've made a lot of progress, but I it's I don't always keep it up. So I'm going to make an episode here where I it's just about me talking. I will make good on my promise. I said I would read the third and final part of Aurelia's backstory. Uh, I've written a lot more since then, and there will be more episodes um, where I read more of her story as we started playing. But for now, I'm just going to give you the final chapter in her backstory. Uh, of course, you had the previous two chapters of the backstory in episode 32. Uh, I've also started writing more character backstories in that same style because I started really enjoying it. So you're going to be hearing a lot more of that. I hope you enjoy it. I enjoy writing them. And they are really good um, tools for working on my voice. That means this episode is going to be a little shorter, which is fine. I'm sure you're in a hurry to get somewhere. So, <laughs> uh, so okay. Um, my voice sounds like this. Let's see. Let, let me let me do the squeaky exercise again. I'm, I'm at a good place right now, but I want to make sure it stays there. Um, the squeaky thing, of course, if you haven't heard the, uh, the episode where I mentioned it the first time, is an exercise you can do. Make your voice cartoonishly silly, like very high-pitched. Um, um, voice training for MTF trans people, male to female trans people, isn't about pitch in the end, but working with pitch is a good tool. So what you do is uh, you, you talk like Mickey Mouse for a while, and then you sink back to a normal voice, but you land... Um, in a more, in a more um, narrow specter, spectrum, specter, wow, <laughs> spectrum of um, of frequencies. I know that's 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 a, a bunch of words, um, but you you just speak like a mouse, and then you lower yourself down and project your voice, visualize your voice landing further ahead, like in front of you, and higher up. If you visualize. A physical location for your voice. I know that sounds a little bit like magic. It isn't. It's just it's just a visualization technique, and it works. Allow me to demonstrate. Hello, I'm going to talk. This is really silly. Yeah, don't worry. Like you can do this yourself if you want to train this way and just talk like this for a while. The point is not to talk like this out in the open. It's just an exercise, and then you slowly bring it back down. But imagine it being upwards and forwards, and then you're here. Look at this. I think I was in a pretty good place when I started this episode, but now I actually feel pretty good about this. And I've noticed that uh, sometimes when I chat with people, there's a lot of voice chats going on ever since the pandemic. 
even though the pandemic is mostly over, uh, you made a lot. I made a lot of friends online during the pandemic, and after you can meet people again, you don't want to lose some of the friends you made. So you keep talking online, and as you probably know, sometimes you get some feedback and you hear yourself back. And if I wasn't in a good place with my voice when that happened, I feel like I don't want to use a horrible word right now, but yeah, it feels terrible. You just you just feel awful. The voice dysphoria when you hear yourself back when you're in a good place can be so terrible. But recently, I have noticed. Sometimes when I hear myself back, it actually sounds decent. Not always, but sometimes. Sometimes I hear myself and it sounds a little cringy, but I adjust and I catch another word and it's good. And I think at this range where I am right now, I'm sure I can make more progress, but I'm feeling pretty good here. So I'm going to keep working at it. <laughs> so let me go on to Aurelius Backstory, Chapter 3. Tyranny of Dragons Aurelia, Guardian of Friendship, Backstory Part 3 The Pilgrimage I headed northeast towards the city of El Tyrell. I made an effort to have a positive impact in every community I passed along the way. This could be anything from helping a farmer plow the fields to chasing down bandits that were plaguing the town. I enjoyed the work, and even though some people were suspicious of me at first, most of them had warmed up to me by the time it was time to leave. I was proud to set an example of the benefits of my oath, and I am convinced that everyone I met along the way shines a little bit brighter than they did for having been shown kindness and trust from a stranger. Eventually, I arrived in El Tyrell. As soon as the city came into view, I had to stop and admire it. I could not think of any way to describe what I saw, even the word gigantic seemed quaint compared to the view before me. Majestic stone walls snaked around the massive community that seemed to be built on a large hill as the stone buildings towered higher and higher the closer they were to the heart of the city. I had never seen so many spires and towers before in my life. It really was an impressive place with so many different kinds of people and cultures. It had apparently recently recovered from a strange magical crisis I struggled to understand. As I walked the streets, I was taken aback by all the different smells I encountered. The sour aroma from a store that had a picture of a round bottle on its sign was so strong my eyes began to water, but just a few buildings away was a bakery that smelled so heavenly I couldn't stop my feet from entering. They did not just have sweetbreads and cake. They had this strange little pastry that was dripping with honey and had an enticingly musky aftertaste that I couldn't place. The friendly baker laughed at my reaction when I took the first bite. He told me it was an exotic recipe from the south, using expensive imported spices from the arm. I winced awkwardly. My budget didn't exactly allow for such luxuries. But the baker laughed again and gave me another one for free, as long as I promised to tell people how it tasted and where I got it from, and so I did. After wandering around, getting to know the streets, I quickly sought out some kind of authority I could report to and offer my services, and I came across an order of paladins. One of their commanders, a boisterous man named Omthar Frum, 
first laughed when I told him about my oath of friendship. I believe he first had thought I was joking, but after we sat down and had a discussion over a tankard of ale or two, he admitted he might have been a little presumptuous. My apologies about earlier, Pilgrim. I first thought the whole idea sounded soft and trivial next to grounding concepts like honor and responsibility, but you don't seem to be lacking in either. I shall let you prove yourself like any other paladin. I smiled at him, grateful for the opportunity. Thank you, sir. I will not let you down. If you don't mind me saying, I can clearly see you likewise do not lack the virtues of my health. I raised my tanker to him. Whenever you encourage honor and responsibility among your ranks, and it leads to a smile or any sense of mutual respect, the warmth you feel in your heart, that's the light of friendship. It's a bond that makes us all stronger than steel, be it between two people, a full regiment, a village to a city, or even a whole nation. He laughed loudly at that. Slow down, girl, I'm not ready to convert quite yet. Come by tomorrow, and I will have your first assignment ready for you. For months, I took assignments from Froom, and I'd made friends with his fellow paladins as well as the local guard force. I quickly made the name for myself, and was jokingly referred to as The Beacon, based on a combination of me so often talking about spreading the light, and the fact that the polish of my armor made it reflect the sunlight, and my peers would jokingly say that my arrival was always heralded by a blinding light. One day, Wunthar informed me that the southern trade routes and surrounding communities had seen an increase in bandit attacks. He could only send his own paladins to the larger communities such as the city of Easting, and so he asked me for a favor. He needed as many of us as possible to patrol the smaller lanes so the commoners in the outskirts did not feel forsaken, particularly to the east, where his order didn't have as much reach. Because of the vast area we needed to cover, we had to go alone and hopefully joined up with local knights or concerned local citizens. He seemed apologetic to send me out on my own, but I was excited at the prospect. It was, of course, sad to leave my new friends behind, but I was looking forward to once again being out on the road, protecting people from harm and helping them strengthen the bonds of friendship. This was, after all, what my privilege was supposed to be about. And so... Once more, I set out to make a difference in the world. I had been patrolling country roads for almost two years when I met Perlin. It had been a peaceful time with few troubles. Sure, I did encounter bandit attacks now and again, but most villages had much safer and more pleasant troubles to deal with, such as finding missing cattle, repairing structures, or being a guiding light for the unfortunate and disillusioned. On this particular day, I was patrolling along a winding country road when I heard the sound of battle, and the light of a magic spell caught my eye around a bend in the road. I ran as quickly, yet silently as I could, and round in the corner, I beheld an elven woman facing impossible odds. A frightened family of three passed me, and it seemed like the elf was fighting six bandits in order to give the family time to escape. There were fallen bodies strewn around, and I made the conclusion that Perlin was the last survivor of an escort, heading toward the town I recently left. Her bravery amazed me. She must have known her choice to slow the bandits down was a death sentence, or would have been had not fortune smiled upon us both that day. She was a beautiful woman with blonde hair that looked stunning even when ruffled by battle. It must be the way she carried herself. It was hard to take my eyes off her. 
As I reached her, she had just been stabbed in the abdomen, and her knees were buckling. I made quick work of the offending bandit and his cohort stepped back in surprise at their foe's unexpected new ally. I grabbed Perlon's arm to keep her from falling and put my hand on her wound, willing it shut as I spoke with a reassuring voice. Don't give up. You're not done here quite yet. My oath gives me certain gifts of healing. It's nowhere near the power of a real magic user or a cleric, but it can bring someone back from the brink of death when needed. She stared at me in surprise and I noticed her differently colored eyes, one blue and one green. But my surprise was greater still when she, still in the heat of battle, took the time to place her hand on my cheek, give me a mischievous smile and with a soft voice say, Oh my, my very own knight in literal shining armor, and such a beautiful knight too. I couldn't help but to laugh heartily at her ability to hold her spirit high even in a situation such as the one she was in. I drew my sword again and Perlin stood up straight as a plume of flames flew out from her hands right at the bandit that had sprung up to lunge at me. He caught fire and ran away screaming and flailing. One of the remaining bandits fled at the sight and together we quickly disposed of the remaining three. It turns out she had recently joined a rather inexperienced group of adventurers who were taking the job of escorting a merchant and his family to the next town. The bandit attack had been sudden, and the poor young fools had fallen almost instantly. I joined Perlon and the family to help escort them the rest of the way to their destination, and we sent people back to deal with the fallen and make sure proper respects were paid. Perlon insisted on thanking me by treating me to wine at the local tavern so she could get to know me. I agreed that it was a wonderful idea, and she shared stories of her journeys and I of mine. She leaned closer to me and put a hand on my shoulder, I suppose for support, as we were both a little drunk. She smiled brightly at me. You know, I could really get used to having a strong, gorgeous paladin by my side. Again, I laughed heartily. It was really refreshing to meet someone in such high spirits and so keen on making bonds of friendship. I would be overjoyed to have such a talented wizard as my friend and ally, Perlin. I raised my glass and exclaimed, To us, and to our wonderful journey ahead. Perlin looked a little surprised and disoriented, but I couldn't blame her. This amount of wine right after such a violent experience would take a toll on anyone's mind. Still, I double-checked with her the next day if she really intended to join me. Yes, Aurelia, I think I will. I like the idea of helping people, and your enthusiasm is adorable. After traveling together for a few weeks, we got to a small village where my attention was brought to the familiar sound of cruel laughter of children. A group of children were bullying a tiefling girl. I quickly called out, Hey! Leave her alone! The children turned around in surprise, and one of them sneered at me. What's it to you? He asked. Old unpleasant memories were stirring in the back of my mind, but I kept my calm. What is the purpose of your cruelty, boy? Instead of being cruel, you should try to understand her. You probably have much to learn from each other. Another child frowned. But look at her horns, and her skin's all weird. And another child chimed in. She even has a tail. My face hardened, but I took a deep breath and relaxed. This was taxing me more than I was prepared for. Horns are very useful, children. So can a tail be. If anything, she should be teasing you, but she isn't, is she? The children were stumped and weren't quite sure how to respond. 
I continued. It isn't right to bully someone for being different. Instead of what she is, consider what this behavior makes you. Do you wish to be defined by your cruelty? Is this who you wish to be as you grow up? I could see shame forming in their expressions. I approached the girl and knelt in front of her, putting my hand on her shoulder. It's okay. I won't let them hurt you. They don't understand the wonder that is you, and that is their loss. One day, they will regret what they have put you through, and then it is within your power to forgive them or not. I would not rob you of that choice, but I think I see good in you. I think you are strong enough to forgive. I smiled at her and she embraced me. I glanced at the other children and they started backing away. I didn't see any defiant anger in their shame. I do believe they learned something that day. Later, as I was sharing a meal with Perlin, she looked at me with a curious expression. Something happened to you back there. I can't put my finger on it, but you were different. I nodded in agreement. It reminded me of my own childhood. Not just the bullying, though I was not a stranger to children's cruelty. The girl reminded me of someone. She's a tiefling too, and the other children used to bully her as well. Perla nodded and put her hand on mine. It's a shame that children can be so cruel. But there are also those who strive for good in the world, like you, Aurelia, and I assume your friend. I smiled at Perlin and felt my ears tearing up. I hope I'm doing good. That's all I really want. She tilted her head at me. There's something else, isn't there? I nodded. I miss her, Perlin. I really miss her. And I wonder if she misses me too. Merlin stood and walked around the table to sit down next to me, leaned against my shoulder and put an arm around me. Of course she misses you, you big oaf. I would. I laughed and placed my arm around her as well. Oh, Perlin, you always know how to cheer me up. She gave me that peculiar smirk I've never quite been able to figure out the meaning of. We were more or less inseparable after that spending most of our time together except for the nights when Perlin managed to court someone at whatever inn or tavern we happened to spend the night. Men or women, she wasn't picky. Her flings were short, but most of the time she and her brief partners parted on good terms. It seemed a bit unorthodox, but I suppose it is one way of creating friendly bonds. After we had traveled together for about six months, I received a letter from Unthar Froom. Dearest Aurelia, I hope this letter finds you strong and ready for action. Your work protecting the roads and aiding those in need is truly inspiring, and it is my honor to know such a stalwart paladin. Now, down to business. I've received some troubling reports about increased dragon activity near your hometown of Greenest. The townsfolks are getting more and more worried, and we can't afford letting the situation fester. I thought you might want to be the one to investigate the matter, given your connection to the area. Dragons, as we know, are creatures of great power and mystery, and our dealings with them must be handled with the utmost care. Your dedication to the values of the Oath of Friendship and your unwavering commitment to the well-being of others make you the perfect person for this task. I have no doubt that you'll handle the situation with the same courage and determination that you've always shown. On a more personal note, I've watched you grow into the exceptional paladin you are today, and I couldn't be prouder. 
You've got the heart of a lion, and I am honored to have you as a friend and a fellow paladin. I hope this assignment not only challenges you, but also brings you closer to your roots. Stay sharp, and remember that we've got your back. Reach out if you need any help, and don't hesitate to keep us updated on your progress. Good luck on this mission, and may the bonds of friendship guide and protect you. Forge ahead with honor and courage, Untarfrum. I tensed up as I read the letter. Dragons! Increased! Perlin saw my reaction and hurried over to read the letter over my shoulder. Dragons, huh? That's a step or two up from bandits. Are you sure you want to do this? I lowered the letter and turned to face her. I have to, Perlin. Greenest is my home. I know it's a lot to ask, but will you come with me? She punched me in the shoulder. Of course I'm coming with you. You shouldn't even have to ask. I smiled in relief. It was not that I had doubted her spirit, but she had been right. This might be extremely dangerous, and asking her to accompany me on this particular quest felt unreasonable. Thank you, Perlin. It means a lot to me. We started packing our things. Ulthar trusts me. The people back home need me, and they might need you too. Your magic could end up saving a lot of people. Perlin paused to look at me. You know, you remind me of someone, she said, a smile playing at her lips. Oh, who is that? She resumed packing. Someone who, like you, cares a lot about doing the right thing. You're not exactly like them. There are quite a few differences, but um, you shine, Aurelia. So very brightly. Her words touched me. They weren't jovial as her words usually are, but they were warm. Thank you, Perlin. I'm glad you're with me, and I'm proud to be your friend. With that, we left the inn and started heading for Greenest, the home I once despised, but would now defend with my very life. And that concludes the backstory of Aurelia, Guardian of Friendship. And I have quite a bit of text with the play sessions we've had. I'm a little behind, so it's a lot of work, but I'm enjoying this. I won't be reading um, uh, reading the the play sessions uh, that soon because I I wanna I wanna read a couple of other backstories first, and I won't be reading stories on the next uh, episode, I think. But stay tuned; you'll be getting a lot more of this. If you do enjoy the story of Aurelia um, and want to meet more of the player characters. Uh, drop me a line, uh, and I will send you a link to my um, um, my actual like work document where I update what happens in a in like a novel form. This is going to be longer than a novel. I'm already up at like twenty thousand words, and we've only we've only finished chapter one out of fifteen. So it's going to be, whew, it's going to be a lot. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you did, please drop me a line and uh, and you know talk to me. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. I love you. Goodbye.